you know, the million dollars and, you know, all that is great, but it's, it, it's, it, there's a balance in this world for a reason, right? Things balance for a reason. And, you know, me running a company, me having this freedom, me having all this, it also means that I must be carrying a ton of responsibilities to offset that freedom, right? So, you know, somehow... This is Scratch Your Own Itch, the one show that delivers the conversations that we're afraid to share, but need to. This show is all about creating a life worth living. I'm Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. So you're going to hear conversations with creators and entrepreneurs talk about what they do, their current and past traumas, how they became who they are, and what they are truly curious about. This is the show where we talk about the things we think about a lot, but need to talk about more. Please take note that this show is not a substitute for actually creating a life worth living, because this show will stir your beliefs, make you question what it means to create a life worth living. So my promise to you is to always give you one question to answer for yourself today, to start turning your dreams into a reality. Before I get into this episode with Tuan Nguyen and I, I want to just uh, read off a review uh, because I just I think that community is so important and connecting with each other is really important. And and this was uh this was left by a friend of mine, Tyler Kelly. T Kelly four two four two writes, Logan has done an incredible job creating vulnerability on this podcast series, and I myself was honored to be a part of it and even had major breakthroughs myself as he allowed me to open up about my past and realize the struggle that so many individuals keep inside them when it is meant to be let out and shared by the comfort of others. The vast topics keep me coming back for more on this podcast series and I am excited for much more. Thank you so much, Tyler, for leaving that review. I would also love to invite you guys to do two things. Subscribe to the podcast so you get updated on every single time that the podcast rolls out. And also, heck, leave a review because I would love to read it out on the show and I'd love to connect with you. And if um, maybe you're looking to get on the show yourself, uh, email me, logan at logantylernelson.com. And I'm just trying to make people feel less alone when we share our stories a psychological phenomenon often often happens it, you feel so much more i guess there's not one emotion to it but it definitely feels as if you're inspired to go through suffering so that you can become the person that you were meant to be and Ask yourself this one question because I'm shifting over to giving you one question every time we do a show. Ask yourself, what trauma have you really gone through that's actually made you who you are today? 
You. Yeah, you. You turn this on for a reason. Now think about that. Just for a second. And set yourself up with success by knowing that you're here to create something amazing in your life. A life worth living. Why? Because you believe in you. And if you didn't, well, guess what? My guests and I are going to bring you the tools to positive thinking and share some stories to make you feel less alone. So you can once again believe in you. My superhero of a guest joining me today is Tuan Nguyen. Who is Tuan Nguyen, you may ask? Well, Tuan Nguyen is a biz dad and the founder of Dude Buddha, a community of biz dads dedicated to curating and sharing some of their greatest lessons and epic failures around business, self-care, fatherhood, and relationships. He is also the founder and chief genie at healthgenie.ca, a business advisory firm that helps drives and converts leads for dental practices that offer a very specialized procedure called All On For Prior. He was a partner of the multi-million dollar online directory portals www.canadiankiosk.ca and www.autocatch.com and also www.ottawaliving.ca where he focuses on national expansion towards 26 cities for kiosk and more specifically the health directory www healthgenie.ca. He has delivered over 300 speaking engagements across the globe, including three TEDx talks. All right, so that last part, uh, 300 speaking engagements. So the guy knows exactly what he's talking about. And to get on TEDx talks, it's not an easy feat. So the man's life is pretty much perfect, right? <laughs> on paper, yes. But we're going to get into the parts that are not so perfect on paper. The serious bouts of depression that he's had battled and then developed himself as a person who knows what buttons to press and actions to take to escape those depressive thoughts and get himself focused into the things that truly matter. So, I've been talking a ton and I really want you guys to meet this awesome human being of a man, Tuan Nguyen. So let me introduce you to Tuan Yu and Tuan. Thank you so much for coming on Scratch Your Inch, man. Thank you, Logan. This is uh, quite a cool intro, man. Beautifully done. Thank you for that. Oh yeah, oh, dude. Thank you for uh, the compliments. Uh, I appreciate that, Tuan. I've just got to start off the bat by saying that I am so so excited and pumped up for the work that you've done and the person that you are, and to. Uh, just have this awesome conversation around positive thinking and have a conversation about um, just your story too. And your TEDx, I mean, you just, you've dabbled in so much. And I just want to get into most of that. Obviously, we, we could talk about that for 14 years, but we only got like 40 minutes right now. And if we mm -hmm. go longer, great. Um, but first off, I just love to kind of get into it and uh, do some reverse engineering and possibility hacking and go right into the hard stuff if you don't mind. 
No, let's rock it. You take it away. You you ask the questions and I will fire away my heart and soul. I <laughs> see behind that voice. How can you not love this guy? Um all right, so I guess I want to talk about the sort of stuff that um is hard to talk about, but we really need to talk about it. Uh that time and the experience in your life where you're most oppressed and and what kind of thoughts were going through your head during that time. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I would say I had two bouts of really, really challenging times in my life. And um and the first the first, which is a more recent one, more recent one, which is um Sorry, I have uh, my nephew pouring some water in the back, so I don't know if you guys are catching it. So, um, so, uh, but yeah, the first part was just recently, which is uh, the fall of my marriage. And the fall of my marriage was a culmination of many things. And I don't know if you and the listeners can relate to this, but the point of depression, it almost feels like, you know, a rolling thunder that's just dragged on 20 years of crap into your, into the present moment. And it wasn't just that one year and a half where I had a challenging moment with my ex-wife. It was just realizing that my entire life I have been chasing other people's approval. And then when it was time for me to kind of state what I wanted to be, who I want to be, what I want to do in life, how I wanted things to, you know, turn out or play out. It always was a little too late. It was always too late and I was I became disappointed in myself and that's what really dragged me down. I was so deeply disappointed in myself that I felt I lived a fake life my whole life. And so at that moment I still remember I was, you know, I had a little son and which is really funny enough, you know, when you have a, a boy and a child in your life, you think it should be this joyous moment, which it was, but for me it was a reminder of how terrible I was as a father and how fake I felt as a father. And that conversation just kept eating myself up every day. I would go to bed, not want to wake up the next morning, but I knew I had to because it was just me and my boy at home and he's in the crib. And I, I just woke up, forced myself to wake up just to play with my son. And then when it was time for the nap, I just kind of sat down and did nothing. My life moved nowhere for such a long period of time. and. That was when I came across uh, a moment um, that really, really like completely changed my life. And it changed my life to where I am today, which is awesome, right? And I'm grateful for even the dark moments. And in fact, the dark moments is, wasn't really dark. It's what I call the spotlight moment, kind of, you know, kind of something I'm trying to coin in a way, I guess. But the spotlight moment is a moment where uh, you think it's so dark, you think it's just you just want to crawl away and never see the world again. It is really the moment where the spotlight is on you and it's an opportunity for you to take a real good look at yourself and really understand the choices you've made and also recognize in that moment that by getting to even that moment, you went through ups and downs, ups and downs and made choices that worked and made choices that didn't. And I started thinking about all the choices I made that worked and I thought to myself, why don't I just figure how to amplify those choices and just keep that moving? And when I recognized the choices I made that was poor, it was moments where I didn't believe in myself, moments I was scared of rejection. And this spotlight moment was, a, was, was the moment where I woke up, probably it was a 5.30 a.m. that day or that morning. And for those who have children, you'll know that most kids at that age cry throughout the night. And as much as you got to wake up and take care of the kid, 
you're like, he's alive. It's great, right? And this one 5.30 a.m., I woke up and I remember I didn't hear a single cry from him. And as a first-time parent, you freak out when that happens, right? And that moment, I ran across to his room and I was expecting the worst, right? And at this time, I'm in, in a really depressed state. And I looked on the crib and what did I see? I just saw the little tyke sitting up, playful, smiling, and I picked him up. He had Maybe he did sense that I was not as normal or as joyous. And he had just the most amazing smile and he couldn't speak at the time, but I knew he was just communicating with me. I knew he was just so happy to see me. And maybe he just brought that awesome energy to let me know, yo man, dad, life is worth living. Like let's rock it. Right. And at that moment I said to him, like I literally said these words to him. I said, Quinn, I'm never going to give up on you and me never again, ever. And from that point on, I picked myself up and I started doing things like taking life, almost like life coaching courses. I took on a life coach and I read books. I checked out podcasts and I just talked to really positive people. And I kind of did what we're doing right now. I asked about people what they did to kind of overcome and who they surround themselves with to bring themselves back up. And that was basically the most recent moment of depression. I don't know if we want me to continue to my my moment just before that. Um, but if you want, we could like dig into this past one. Or if you want, I could continue to the first time where I felt pretty depressed. Yeah, let's, uh, let's stay on track and go into that. Okay, that so... The, the other moment of depression was, so this, by the way, I'm now 40, almost 43. And that happened to me um, like just under five years ago, right? This last period that I just described. Now let's go back 11 years before that. And a bit of history to everyone here, which is I got really lucky. I played with the internet back in 95, 96, you know, hacked a project. And I basically put yellow pages on the internet without being yellow pages, it's called an online directory at the time. I think they still call it now. Um, but, you know, I play with it and we sold advertising. It was early, started doing really well. And I was fortunate enough to be doing extremely well through the residual income of advertising online. So this gave me the ability to volunteer seven days a week. So for those of you who were able to see any of my TEDx talks, my, my most popular one was the one on volunteerism. And I could say 90% of the people who know me know me as a guy who's a freak of a volunteer. I will give up my time and volunteer and help those in need, fundraise, bat for those. Like just, I would go nuts. And the reason is I was a recipient of volunteer services when I came to Canada and, and the U.S. as well, actually. And so I was always giving my life to volunteerism and I felt great doing it. Now, the challenge happened was that because I was having all this freedom, I volunteered a ton. And when you kind of put a lot of time into something, you grow really, really well. And I became very well known in the volunteer space and I worked on big projects. And as the projects got bigger, yes, I was proud of how much money and impact I was creating, but the stakes were getting bigger too. You know, to raise $100,000 and you want that $100,000 check, you kind of have to network with a CEO or, or a powerful person and their acceptance was so important to me. It was just so important to me that I did anything to gain their, their acceptance and eventually have them open up their wallets to give to charity. Now, of course that's cool, but what was not cool was towards 31, 32, it all, the pressure got so heavy on me. I realized that I took on 
too many charitable fundraisers. I took on too many projects. And though they were all helping needy people, I didn't really choose the projects that were truly, truly meaningful to me. Like my father passed away from heart disease and, you know, Heart Institute or the Heart and Stroke Foundation would have made sense, right? Uh, but, you know, I met some powerful guy. I found out he's really into prostate cancer. And I figured, hmm, you know, if I kind of create a, a cool program, I get him to sponsor $100,000 towards prostate, can prostate cancer. Well, that was fun until I had 20 projects on the go. It was overwhelming. I still did well. And uh, a mentor of mine told me that if I don't step out soon, I would completely break down. And so I took a step away. I literally went cold turkey. I jumped off um, 15, I think. I don't have the exact number. About 15 boards of directors for charity, charitable organizations or like events. And, um, and the depression hit me about six to eight months later. And the reason is that when I got involved with the projects, because, you know, I, I could work literally all day on it because I had a business that made money versus other people who typically only have an hour to volunteer here and there. I had a slight unfair advantage. So when I was involved, there was so much getting done and so much money was getting raised. So the moment I got off the committees, you know, one year, let's say I raised, um, I'll throw like a big number out there, a million dollars. The following year, the exact same committees were only able to raise 350, maybe $400,000. They were like 30, 40%. And so my guilt came in and my depression came in because, you know, I look back and I think, wow, because I'm not there, $600,000 was not raised and therefore 40,000 families were not helped. I thought about the people who were not helped because of my, my lack of involvement and I felt completely guilty and I felt I let the world down and it's because I put the entire world on my shoulder. That was the first major bout of depression and I fought it and I fought it again with with some really good support but it wasn't until my marriage where it got really personal where I gave my heart to one person and that's when I realized like I said before I basically went in that marriage completely for the wrong reason although the outcome of that has made me a much stronger man. I have an amazing child out of this and um, and he is the reason why I hustle so hard today. Oh my God. Wow. There's so much to unpack there. Oh, ah, jeez. Um, first of all, uh, I think that not, there's not going to be so many people are going to relate with that. Like I know I personally have never actually raised that much money before in my life and then felt like the world was on my shoulders. But I think, uh, I know at least one of you out there will resonate with the idea of the world being on your shoulders. And um, if you let off the gas, everything's just going to fall apart, right? Like everything's going to fall apart. But um, I think it comes down to really uh, uh, asking yourself, which I want to ask you next is, what was the first thing that you needed to do for yourself to really find out what truly matters? Like what, what sort of things were you doing to try to figure that out? Great question. Um... What I ended up doing was I, I did a, a trip away by myself and I spent 10 days speaking to no one. And it was a silent trip. 
Uh, I just ordered food when I had to. And uh, most of the time I went to the grocery store, had food made for me uh, or I made food myself. And um, I read books. I read a, a book from the Dalai Lama called Confection. Uh, you know, I don't remember it right now. Funny enough, I'm not very good at remembering words of, uh, of songs nor titles of books, but I'm good at getting the messages. Uh, but I read three books. I did yoga. I did meditation every day. And then when I came back, first I felt a greater sense of energy. My physiolo physiology was great. Um, well, not great, but it, it got really, really uh, stronger, it got much stronger. And I'm sure you're a very healthy person yourself. My first thing I would say is if anyone's feeling down is to just start moving, just start doing movement, just start doing breathing. And uh, because your physiolog physiology really drains a lot of energy out of you. And that's the one thing I think most people can fix right away is at least start fixing right away the mental side is a bit trickier and so the first thing i did was i followed uh, a friend of mine he's a chiropractor and he says movement is the number one the step number one so that's what i did i went away i spoke to nobody so i didn't have to think too much i didn't have to try to get people to accept me because that was a bad habit of mine right and then i just focused on movement focused on breathing and when i came back physiologically speaking i felt much much better and I went back to back home, which is Montreal. And I spent time there, spent time where I grew up, spent time with my mother. You know, I didn't, I didn't really connect with my old friends, but it kind of brought me back to me as a child. And I think getting back to that childlike curiosity again and remembering those dreams, those vivid thoughts, I think for me, that was a major part of being re-inspired again. And at least being a dad too, it just allowed me to really connect with my son at a different level because he is that right now. He is this vivid, young ball of energy, a positive energy. And I wasn't that. But when I went back home after, you know, getting my body movement and breathing right, I felt I was much closer to him. And, um, and that was awesome. And then uh, step two for me was to uh, have the conversations with the right people. And you don't get the right people right away, but you could easily take a guess where if you want to gain confidence in yourself, then find people who have a level of confidence that, that came from where you came from. So an example is I grew up very, very poor. And so, you know, I would much rather talk to someone, although everyone can give great nuggets of wisdom, but I ended up finding people who became successful, even though they grew up in extremely challenging uh, environment socially and and financially you know or if uh, if now you're like a, a famous person on in the podcast world and everyone's just messaging you sending you both good and hate messages how do you handle hate messages you know how do you handle that because eventually you'll have someone who's just going to try to knock you down and it's not personal but I hang out, I try to hang out or have a conversation with people who deal with hate all the time, who stay on a mission that they believe on, despite people trying to knock them down, right? So, um, so again, summarize, step number one was getting myself moving. Step number two was going back to my roots. And step number three was surrounding myself with, you know, a circle of influence that can raise my game. Because uh, we know the expression, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So one of my methods that I, I advise people is that list four areas, three or four areas that you really, really value in life that's really important for you right now and list 30 to 40 people within each of those areas that you can connect with and that you feel would raise your game. And so for me, it's family uh, or really uh, fatherhood, 
masculinity or and self-care business and then um, I have relationships right those are my four pillars that I have a list of 30 40 men in particular and mostly are fathers who I can connect with once you know every so often and when I have a 30 minute conversation with these guys somehow my game just rises in these areas and so as long as you maintain that kind of consistent conversation with the right people that almost in an accountability method, then you end up raising your game neurologically as well. And so that all feeds each other movement, you know, sticking with your childlike roots, curiosity, and then surrounding yourself with the right people so they could raise your game. That just feeds a ball of like, like uh, almost creates a generator that generates the positive energy and gets you more connected to yourself and then gets you to make decisions that you feel more confident in and you also feel more aligned with who you are. So there, those are kind of like the three steps. Uh, hey, I just want to interrupt this show really quick. If this show is worth an hour of your time out of your day, first of all, thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to listen. And if you found it inspirational or valuable, please head over to Logan Tyler Nelson dot com and leave a few dollars or whatever you find affordable to help this show reach a bigger platform. It takes a lot of time to put it together. It takes, unfortunately, dollars to make it happen. But all I'm trying to do is make people feel less alone and more comfortable with sharing the thoughts we all have and need to talk about more. Back to my interview. Oh, dude, I love it. I Oh, my God, I love it so much. Um, yeah, because I knew we were going to be talking about a lot about happiness and positive thinking because you've just kind of had to do a lot of that after all that you've been through. And, and during that time when I was looking back at like all this research and all this stuff that actually shows, uh, what makes a happy person versus an upset person and, and, and a, a big part and the huge portion is is by being able to volunteer your efforts, volunteer your time. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you have to like actually volunteer your time, which is like really hard for a lot of people to do because let's face it, we live in a world where we need money to live off of. Like we need tools like money to actually put food on the table and not everyone has, a, unfortunately, a, a situation in which they can just volunteer their time. And I know you're big into volunteerism, but um, what is something that people can start doing that you think is a, a way for them to maybe give an act of service, but also trade that for some dollars and, and to set themselves up with um, doing something that they love for money? Um, maybe not right away, but at least set the system in place. Yeah, I guess a uh, great question, by the way. And um, and make sure you bring me back to this question in case I, I go off a tangent right now, right? But I want to I want to make sure uh, the <laughs> audience understands that. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, the million dollars and, you know, all that is great, but it's it, it's it, there's a balance in this world for a reason, right? Things balance for a reason. And you know, me running a company, me having this freedom, me having all this, it also means that I must be carrying a ton of responsibilities to offset that freedom, right? So, you know, somehow I have a business that runs on its own, but I have, you know, nine staff, for example, each of them, three of them are married, two of them have children, for example. I have, you know, on my shoulders, you know, 40, 50 people that, that 
I'm responsible for. You know what I mean? It's not just about making money, right? And so, and same thing with volunteerism. You know, when you commit to a project, you know, you're you take on a big project, you're you're taking on a huge responsibility. And so, at the end of the day, I don't think it's very any different between doing a small project versus a big project. What's really that ties us all together is whether the project is big or small. You are challenged personally, socially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know, all that's where the challenge happens. It's not about the bigger project or the smaller project. We take on any project we take on that we can contribute, that we can get challenged and grow. And that alone is what ties us all together. So, you know, I, I say this because I've had so many people come up to me and say, oh, I want to accomplish what you accomplished. I, I can never relate to your struggle. My goodness, dude, like, all our struggles ties us together and it's because it's it's very, very similar. It's almost identical in terms of what we deal with because it's the inside, we struggle with the exact same thing, right? So now to answer your question about volunteerism and 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 getting funds and things like that, I think um, it's it's a bit tricky, right? I, I, I kind of like, of course, the whole passion and, and doing what you're passionate about and living a purposeful life. But I, I, I kind of at the moment that might be a little bit practical, a little bit differently is I first look at what my gifts are. What are my natural gifts? What am I really good at? And I'd like to use my gifts to give to others. And I will give and share my gifts whether I make money or not. So that's one. But I also do have to figure out because we have to pay the bills. Like you said, I got a family to feed. I still do need to figure out which of my gifts can be leveraged to create the most value that people are willing to pay for. Right. So I tell my, my kids, you know, if you ask them right now, if they're right here right now, you ask them, how do you make money? They will say, solve a problem that you're passionate about, that you think you're meant to solve, that people are willing to pay for. That's how you make money. Right. So I'm always cognizant of problems that need to be solved and the ones I care about and the ones I feel I'm meant to solve. I will go for it and try to figure out how to solve it, network with people, ask questions, all that kind of stuff. Right. But I think the re yeah, sorry, go ahead. So yeah, not to, not to interrupt. And then, then it takes a little bit of self reflection. It takes a little bit of, you know, actually doing the work and writing it out and going and asking friends or family members exactly like what they think you're Absolutely. good at. Absolutely. And, and I could give you a bit of a, a, a framework to figure that out too, right? And uh, so remind me to share the gifts framework. Cool. But now back to the volunteerism. <laughs> the volunteerism side is very important because the funny thing is I never thought I would be be a business owner or entrepreneur until way later on in my life, like in my 40s. I thought traditionally you have to work for someone for like 15, 20 years, get the experience, then you can go out and start your own business. But I was lucky. I was born at a time where, you know, the internet, by the time I came to working age, the internet was around and it does empower us to do a lot more quicker, sooner, right? And so I didn't know that. And all I did was I worked in a job and I used my gifts because I felt I couldn't use it to start a business yet. I might as well use it to start an entrepreneurial endeavor of raising money for charity instead. And so I chose, I realized one of my strengths is motivating people, mobilizing people. I realized some of my strengths is connecting a message to people. And here's the crazy thing. As you can, as you hear me speak here, you know, I grew up speaking Vietnamese, French, and English. My, I, I've never had confidence in my language skills. And 
little did I know that this was my advantage. While I had a lot of friends, like one of my buddies, William, I call him the Scrabble champion. The guy uses words that I will never comprehend probably, and I can never spell. And I've always thought that is a sign of success is speaking eloquently and, you know, with high vocabulary and complex, complex sentence structures, right? But I didn't realize that because of my limited ability of speaking that high level of English, even though I had very complex thoughts or detailed thoughts on strategies and, and how to inspire people, my best way to communicate my thoughts is through what I could speak. And the way I speak is so simple, right, that everyone can relate to, right? So I, I had no idea that that was what I thought was my weakness ended up being my strength. So I leveraged things like that and I, I would volunteer for organizations or and then I would create my own mini fundraisers, which is what I like to do. I like to turn everything I love to do into a fundraiser, a birthday party, a volleyball game, a track and field tournament, a fashion show. I love all these things. So might as well throw a little charitable component into it, right? And so I leverage my gifts. So for the listeners is learning what some of your gifts are and then just finding a way to contribute it to the community, right? Some people, it's financial literacy or they're really good with money and math and stuff like that. They could volunteer for an organization and work for the finance group and help manage the budget for a, a charity, right? They could help even just, you know, managing fundraisers, donors, all that kind of stuff, right? For me, it was reaching out to sponsors, networking, building relationships, bringing a team of, of uh, sponsorship uh, drive people like members of the sponsorship team, get them to go out there and, and create relationships and solicit for donations. That was my strength. Right. And around me, I had other friends who were better than me in other things. Right. So, so that's kind of like how I would recommend people to go out there and start volunteering your gifts and, and create the value there. Because if you ever do want to run a business, or even if you work in a job, volunteering is the only place in my opinion, where you are, you are leveraging yourself to create value without asking for anything in return, meaning you'll do it whether you make money or not. And to me, that is a skill that is required in the business world. That's, a, that's the way of thinking, of looking at a, a community, a problem, a person, and dissecting it and solving it whether you make money or not. That's, I think that's the absolute motivation um, that anyone can have that comes from internal. Right. So is that so far so good? Pretty clear. Any questions on that part? Okay. No, I think that is like be just personally, I think it's absolute treasure and it's beautiful because it, it is the thing that you need to think about um, or anybody needs to think about. And I'm, Hey guys, I'm talking to myself. I'm not like also saying this is like, you need to do this and you need to do that. But I'm also preaching to myself when I preach to you, but in order to be happy with what sort of money you're going to make in life, it takes that sort of like first going through, like Juan was saying, like to, to first like figure out really, really what are services that you can provide that are not only something that you would trade dollars for, but trade for free. Like you would love to do this thing for free. Like you would volunteer your time with no questions asked about, um, hey, where's my money? Like, if you're looking for money, I think a lot of people, that's where they go wrong. And oftentimes you even look at like actors like Jim Carrey, which I love so much where he talks about, you know, I just wish that everybody got rich and famous and found out that that doesn't yeah, matter exactly. at all. No, that's not the answer. But, what, 
No, what matters is just like going out and actually doing something that you love the process of and choosing the sort of problems that you want to deal with, right? Um, So instead of like, yeah, so thank you so much for for giving that. I think that's incredible, incredible advice. Um, And and I want, and if everyone, right now, if you're listening, like you're driving the car, you're working out, I don't know what you're doing exactly. I know that right now I'm sitting at home in front of a computer next to a pad and paper. What system has worked for you in the past to actually get you to do something? Has it been that huge collision accident before you actually changed? Has it actually been that huge, like, uh, finally, like, hitting the face from the IRS of, of that you owe this huge amount of money to actually change? Like, don't, don't hurt yourself before you need to. Like, you can be a genius and learn from other people's mistakes and start today. And so what's that one thing you think someone could do to start today to tour, sort of like um, get themselves to becoming uh, less, I guess, less sort of just uh, going towards that negativity inside themselves, but actually go towards positivity to create wealth, health, and um, happiness. Hey, I just want to interrupt this really quick with an opportunity. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Well, I'm here for you. If you've ever thought about a way that you can make impact, or maybe a way to find your actual passion, you've got 15,000 different things that you've wanted to do, but you're not sure what you really want. Well, podcast is a great way to find clarity. It's also a great way to really become friends with the heroes that you look up to. I know this is true because, well, I'm doing it right now. So if you're looking for help, please head over to LoganTylerNelson.com or email me at Logan at LoganTylerNelson.com. Again, that's Logan at LoganTylerNelson.com. You can also find me on my Facebook group, Scratch Your Own Itch, Creating a Life Worth Living. So check out that Facebook group and also come at me. Well, that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Just email me simply at Logan, LoganTylerNelson.com. I'm here for you. Well, back to my interview. Enjoy. I think uh, I mean, we've already talked about it, but I think volunteerism is is the way to bring yourself to um, a state of gratefulness and gratitude, as you said, we mentioned my TEDx talk earlier on, on positivity. Uh, gratitude is a major component of positivity, right? I said exercise and faith. Exercise is number one on the outside. Faith is, is where it's like self-belief. And then gratitude is a process. It's a process to become grateful. And so I'm going to continue on what I was just saying earlier about your gifts and leveraging your gifts to volunteer. What happens that's amazing is that when you realize that, you know, some of my friends are introverts. They're like, Tuan, I don't volunteer. I'm like, dude, you don't have to be an extrovert to volunteer. You know, they need people to review. <laughs> if you're great on analysis and you love those kind of stuff, there's so much analysis required by charities, even the small ones that you can contribute. It's a matter of sending them an email and saying, hey, you give them straight up, say, I'm an absolute introvert and I've 
I've had my friends do this before. Hey there, I'm an introvert, always been afraid to volunteer, but I want to reach out because I've learned that volunteer organizations do have a need for things like analysis, this and this and this. I feel I'm very good at this. I'm passionate about this. Let's want to see if you, you know, take on any of my volunteer gifts I can send to you, right? And so it's happened every single time where they would email back and they say, oh my goodness, don't worry about being an introvert. We love all kinds, right? And and uh, it's so good to know that you these are the skills that you come with and boom, they get they create a volunteer position. What comes out of this though is because you're actually doing something you're comfortable with and you're good at, the people around you start seeing the results, especially the charities. And what you quickly learn is, the reasons most charities are around, even the ones that are barely surviving, they always have some kind of a successful person backing it up. Someone's always kind of being a, a two or three people are always really contributing to keeping it alive, right? And so you get on the radars of these individuals, they see your gifts, they see your skills, they see how you're solving a problem. And that's when something that was really meant to be an act of kindness ends up being something that's an act of value that, that brings back to you in the form of potentially money. And that's what happened to me. I was just volunteering and then a, this guy from uh, Dave Macalaga, that's his name from DM Solutions Group, he noticed I was doing something really well as a volunteer and he says, hey dude, um, I got something for my company, would you entertain a consulting uh, arrangement? And I, was ne I didn't even think about consulting at all and never even thought I would do it on my own. And so he hired me as a consultant and that was my first taste of consulting. And that was the door that led me out of my full-time job and eventually into my full-time entrepreneurship life. All right. So, so that's a system to me is, is, is figuring out your gifts. So I'm going to give you how to, my system of how, how to figure out your gifts and then choose some of these gifts and find an organization that you care about that matters to you. Right. And then go out to them and reach out to them, or they may have third party, meaning not ones related to the charity, but other people may be fundraising for them and they might connect you with other fundraisers that's real, that's contributing to that organization. Right. So this is how I define gifts. This is the process G I F T gift G is gifts that are given by your loved ones. Right. And so take out a piece of paper or a pad or put on a, a spreadsheet and under the G uh, tab is writing all the gifts down that you felt you received from your loved ones. And this is from the moment you're born till I say about 12 years old or so. I could give you some examples. You know, my father, even though he didn't speak much to me, he was sick most of his life. But because when someone is sick, they are better at relating to other people's pain because they're in pain. So I did not realize this, but what I learned from my father was empathy. He was never told me to be empathetic, but I saw empathy in the way he was because he was able to relate to other people's pain better than anyone I knew. My mother, who never said to me, be grateful, be grateful, she just, we grew up so poor, but she was such a ball of positive energy and she was always showing gratitude. I didn't know it was gratitude until a later age, but even when we were broke and living in the projects, my mom who would make food, there's this famous Vietnamese soup called pho. You know, it's a Vietnamese, it's like a beef broth soup, noodle soup. And she would bring the bowl of soup to the superintendent almost every, pretty much every time she made it. And she would say, we have to bring food to the superintendent because he's the one that takes care of us, takes care of the building. And 
it wasn't saying you better be grateful. It was just, she was showing gratitude, right? My grade six teacher, Mr. Gardner, who I'm eternally grateful for, he showed me the ability to be creative in a space that seemed very black and white, which is math. And the way he taught math was so much fun that I just, I incorporate as much creative elements into everything I do. And it's thanks to Mr. Gardner, even though I learned him, I learned this through math. It wasn't through, you know, English or drama or any of that kind of stuff, which I enjoyed as well. Right. So I list all these gifts, these lessons I learned that were given by loved ones. And my grade six teacher is someone who loved me dearly. Right. So that's kind of number one, one of the four corners of the word gifts. Next is the letter I, which is innate in your soul. And so I stands for innate and I identify everything I know about myself that I feel is completely innate. And I do this even by asking people around me how they would describe me. And one of uh, my beloved ex-girlfriends, uh, funny enough, I'm the guy who's friends with every single of his ex-girlfriends, right? Um, she would say to me, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at how you love people because if I don't meet them, I don't know them, I don't know if I can love them. But here you are in Canada and you're sending love and you're fundraising, you do all these things for these kids in Africa, which you don't even know. And you're giving your heart and soul to them. You have no idea if the money's gonna, if they're gonna take the money, they'll be grateful. If, you know, you don't know any of these things, but yet you love them so much. And so one of my innate, I think, qualities is I just love to love. And I love no matter what. I love unconditionally and just love, 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 right? Another thing is I do feel that I have a bit of a creative bone in my body. So I love to be creative and, you know, I'm, I look as if everything is a story and I could, I could write the story all the time in front of me, right? So I'm always creating. So definitely that's one of my innate qualities. Next is letter F, so G-I-F. F is from failures you achieved, right? And so identifying the fails you've, you've, you've experienced, but, and then writing down the lessons you've learned from it. And I do have kind of a bit of a, a form in how I write down my failures, and I call it my resume of failures. And essentially, there's three columns. One column, the first one is like your role. So you could be your son as a best friend, as a father, as a, as a, as a brother, as a, you know, as an employee at McDonald's, an employee at a tech company, an employee, you know, like no matter wherever you were at the point or whatever you're doing at the point, whatever role you were playing at the point in life that the mistake occurred, that's, that's column one. Column two is what was that mistake? And then column three is lessons learned and or actions or choices I will make doing moving forward. So now you have the three columns, you know, when I was uh, five years old, I did this mistake. And from that point on, I'm going to make these choices. So I don't fall into that mistake again. So you see this, it's a typical way of writing down a failure, right? And what you've learned from it. But then I do a little bit of twist on it. I, I hide the middle column. I hide the middle column. And when you hide the middle column, all you see is when it's five years old, I, make, I made these choices or I learned this lesson. When I was 36 years old, I learned this lesson. Rather than when I was 36, I made this mistake and I learned this lesson. You remove the mistake out and you only focus on the lesson at, every, at a particular point in your life. And that's how I identify all the failures I've achieved. And the last one is letter T, which is gifts that come from when you train yourself or when you taught yourself. And so... You know, it could be from school, 
like so academic is part of your gifts what you've learned in school if, if you were excelled in english and math and whatever like these are some of the areas you could identify you as a gift but here's a crazy gift that i feel i have uh, but i've never fully leveraged it but it's a gift is i love to dance I've never been able to afford dancing lessons. And when I grew up, there's no such thing as, you know, uh, internet and you could slow-mo videos and I couldn't go to dance school. So I literally had to watch a music video, Michael Jackson, of course, <laughs> you know, he's the man uh, and, uh, and may he rest in peace. <laughs> and so, but I would watch a Michael Jackson video or any breakdancing video back in like 86, 87, 88-ish around that time. And I would have to visually remember what they did, and then I would pop myself in front of a mirror and just mimic it. And that's how I learned. But I realized that I could learn that really fast. And now when I take like salsa lessons or ballroom lessons and teachers are giving me this one, two, three, four counting stuff, I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I, I want to see you dance. I want to see you move, grace dance floor, and I will learn from watching. I will feel it, right? And so that's one of my, my, my gifts that I teach myself. Right. So I take the time and I taught myself a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm, you know, I used to be a pretty decent dancer, but maybe now I'm an okay dancer, uh, trying to create a 40 year old dance tribe, but, uh, that's slow coming. <laughs> so T is from things you've taught yourself. Another way is like, I'm obsessed with personal development, right? So I'm on YouTube and I have to control the time I spend on YouTube, but I love watching YouTube videos. That's how I like to consume content. Right. And so, you know, that's something I teach myself. So, a a great question you ask yourself is, what do I find myself distracted, you know, a lot? And you could be distracted by good stuff and bad stuff. So you look at the stuff like, oh boy, this is not taking me anywhere. But hey, honestly, I could get distracted for 30 hours on personal development videos. I, could, I really can. Or, or hip hop videos. I could, I could get, I could watch all day just these two types of videos. But at least I know that when I watch each of these, I'm growing because I, when I finish a YouTube video on dancing, I try to pop it in at home. Or when I finish a, a personal development video off YouTube, I try to apply it, right? So now I know that in the T section of the word gifts, these are all the little areas that I'm passionate about and that I take the time to teach myself whether, I, whether it makes me money or not. It's just, I'm just super interested in it, right? So that's how I would recommend people to define their gifts. And when they have this G-I-F-T-H, like right in front of them, it's amazing what people see about themselves. And suddenly they could start pulling a few things off from each quadrant and applying to something they care about, like maybe volunteering for a marathon that's raising money for the Churchill's Hospital, because maybe it fits in that. Right? Or maybe there's a, an evening music concert that's happening down the street that's, that's a holiday Christmas concert and it's raising money for something else, right? So maybe that's more relevant to them because they self-taught guitar, all this kind of stuff, right? So it's, it's really, really magical when you're able to define those gifts, find a cause you can contribute those gifts for. But when you do that, you'll see how you create value. It's to be aware of it. You see that you, you know, you're not just volunteering, that you're creating, making a difference, creating value. And from that, you step back and you drive the momentum to create a professional life out of that. Does that make sense? Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you just gave the, I guess, the business model that should be taught in every single big 10 business school, like Harvard, Stanford. All those schools should be teaching this because they don't. And that's where people go wrong. They think of, uh, and 
and you can you can totally agree with me on this because I know you will. They teach you first about okay, what's a huge money problem that we need to solve? But like you, you, you obviously go into first the psychology of it, the psychology of yourself, because now you'll build a business that isn't just a business that's going to make you money, but a business that is going to um, define your talents. And then by using those talents, leverage them into actually uh, creating something worth living for in your life impact, mm -hmm. right? Like people don't actually become, uh, you know, like Mother Teresa, for example, she didn't go, oh, I need to go out there and change the world by making a bunch of money and then taking that money and then donating it all. No, she went out there in the world leveraged her gifts which was to be kind to be really 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 good with communication to be also okay with uh, having haters during during the the whole entire process and going okay now these haters i can actually utilize is now they're actually the people that i need to persuade and so she gained a new skill which was really good persuading techniques and persuade i think it's a, a bad stigma persuading is is you're always persuading people um in your life you're always selling if people you want people like you even though sometimes that's a bad habit to bad have but um it can be a really good thing at the same time is you're selling yourself you're persuading people to hopefully like what you have to offer and what services you are going to give and I can't get super specific right now because I just don't know who that person is but um, for Mother Teresa's example you know she would totally she would persuade you by going hey honey I'm gonna tell you something really great about yourself um, and then I'm gonna amp you up and inspire you to know that you're you're enough and you matter and she does she did that time and time again but um anyways dude thank you for all of that um, Gosh, that's just, I, I want to say thank you for that. Cause that's, uh, I've never, I never didn't think this show would go this way at all. <laughs> but that was like definitely a huge, uh, I think early Christmas present for those that, that are looking for the 2018 Christmas present. So thank you. Well, thank you. No, it's um, my pleasure. I, I represent a lot of voices behind me. So, uh, you know, I give credit to all my mentors, of course, for everything. Um, but, you know, we want to, um, this is, you know, we touch on touch on positivity, and you know, I didn't really talk specifically about positivity. And the truth is, you know, I've, you know, we talk about my public speaking engagements and all that. I've done many. I am not a public speaker, uh, but the reason I've been invited to speak so often is I just try my best to live what I feel fits my life, right? And sometimes I go off. And I have to find my way to come back. And so just now, you know, we talk about things like, you know, uh, creating value. You know, it sounds kind of businessy and all that, but it's, it's really not about me trying to sound businessy or entrepreneurial. Although I do believe in that spirit. It's not about creating money, but entrepreneurism is about creating something. And to me, for you to be able to create anything out of your dreams, you'd have to be the state of mind where you believe in yourself and, and the naysayers don't impact you. Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing about mother Teresa and, and the word persuasion, I, I don't mind the word persuasion at all. And, and I use it often. 
another way of me saying that is if the listeners here is when you dig into your gifts and communicate and volunteer and take actions that are aligned with you, what happens is that I am not trying to persuade anyone to do what I do right now. What I'm trying to do is putting on the universe what I, and I would say thousands of other people who I've learned from and thousands of people who they've learned from, so hundreds of thousands of people behind me who represent this message, we're just putting it out there. And if it resonates with you, then come and align with us so we could build a bigger message with your wisdom added to it. You see, so, you know, with Mother Teresa or Gandhi or or Dalai Lama, when they share their messages, they're not sharing as a, as a unidirectional message. When we share a message, we're not trying to persuade, but we're trying to invite people into a conversation where we can co-create together and build it together. I think that's where the power exists. And when you find, when you, when you get back to who you are and you're feeling down and you take the path where, like I said, movement, get back to roots, build your childlike curiosity, right? Surround yourself with amazing people who will lift you into areas that you value. This all creates this attraction, you know, effect, you know, called the law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, right? And it ends up building this generating machine for positivity because positive energy doesn't appear. It needs to be generated right and can be generated alone like if you think about a power plant it's a lot of things that come together to build the energy so if we want to like kind of end off the show towards the end on positivity everything i'm sharing is pieces what i believe comes into the power plant inside of you as your as a person to generate the positive energy and then to drive the right people into your life and align with you and you align with them and there is not persuasion it's not selling it's co-creating a community, a message, a movement, a way of living, a lifestyle, a positive energy. That's to me what is happening when you try something like this or take what I said today and modify it in your own way. But either way, I do believe that, you know, finding a way to get your body healthy, finding a way to get your childlike curiosity back and finding a way towards people who lift you up. Those are the three basic components. And wherever you take that will, will I believe can be wonderful, positive, impactful and community building. Wow. 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 Um, I guess that's the only, the only thing I can say is just, I've just been really um, struck by all the, yeah, the, the treasure that's happening right now, the huge, knowledge bombs and I'm, and I'm excited to really have this moment right now where it's like I have an enormous smile on my face because I know that uh, there's a lot of people that are a lot less confused right now um uh you know who you are that are the person that's can less confused about what to do next uh because you've heard this and I mean it's going to take a little bit of, of willpower, which I don't believe. And I think it's the power of habit. It's just taking, you know, 10 minutes in the morning to do the thing that's most important to you uh, right away. Get it out of the way. Um, just try this, this gifts. I'll, I'll include it in the show notes. Um, you said it's, it's G I F T S, right? Or gifts. No, just G I F T. Okay. That's it. So G, given by your loved ones, I is innate, F is from failures you achieve, and T is from taught out of self-interest or through education. Okay, because I was taking notes, and then I thought, and I was like, there's no S, darn it. Uh, but it's just gift. gift. Okay, gift. Awesome. Um, dude, I, would, I usually love doing these like quick uh, scratch the itch, sort of scratching the surface curiosity questions at the end. 
But uh, it's already been 52 minutes, so I know if you got to go, I understand. Otherwise, uh, we can just wait for another time to bring Tuan Nguyen back on, and we can get to it then because I know that uh, he's a he's a busy guy. So I'll leave it up to him. Yeah, so why don't we save this for another conversation? Yeah. I do have to pop on with uh, someone we both know is Mr. Jay Wong, nice. and uh, he's in Italy right now. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for reaching out to me and sharing your story as well. Um, I'm sure the listeners have had a chance to listen to your story. If not, guys, check it out. It's a great story. And uh, I can't wait to meet you in person, bro. It's just really can't wait to give a, you know, a brug, bro hug. <laughs> a brug. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, dude. Um, let's definitely stay connected. Uh, this has just been a great, rich conversation. and. Um, I didn't think it would go this way at all, and it, it you never know, I guess. And um, this ended up being a uh, absolute gem. So uh, I want to say thanks again for all that, and uh, you have a really amazing day, and you matter, and you're not. Man. Thank you, thank you. Another episode of Scratch Your Own Itch with Tuan Nguyen and I. Oh my god, that was an amazing episode. Tuan had so much to deliver. I took notes that entire time. I hope you did too. I am going to for sure implement these action steps right away. And um, because I'm promising you guys one question to ask yourself. Always to make you a better person, to make you more fulfilled, to take your traumas and to turn them into successes. I want to ask you this one question. Who do you think right now you need to be? Right now, who do you think you need to be? Not who do you want to be, but the person you need to be. Big difference. Think about this. Um, thank you so much for just supporting the show by listening. If you want to go a step further and leave me a review, I'd really, I'd really, really appreciate that. Um, that would mean so much to me. Uh, just to scroll down on your on your iTunes device or whatever app that you're listening to this podcast from just scroll down to the reviews area and leave a few words of encouragement and leave the five star rating you you can do four stars but i mean that's just gonna like hurt i'm just joking leave whatever you feel is authentic to you totally seriously and honestly leave whatever you think if there's any ways that this show can improve, let me know. And don't ever forget, you matter and you're enough. Yeah.